The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. Would you guys welcome Beth Mackey to the stage, coming on my blind side. Eleven and a half years ago, we were searching for a woman's pastor, and God heard her right here in our midst, and Beth was that person. Eleven and a half years later, Beth is retreading, as she says, not retiring. Uh, she is uh, desiring to um, still be part of our body. She and Don will be serving here, uh, but somebody else sit in her seat in the days, weeks, months, and years ahead. I, I told Beth in the earlier two services that uh, as I was thinking about uh, how to pray for her and as I was thinking about her, uh, Romans chapter 16 came to my mind. In Romans 16, it says, I commend to you our dear sister Phoebe, I'll put Beth there, I commend to you Beth, who is a servant of the church, that you receive her in the manner that the Lord received us, that you help her whatever matter she may have need of you. For she herself has been a helper of many and of myself as well. And so Beth, over the years, you've been a helper to many. Many women here you've helped, and you have been a faithful servant of God. Personally, you've been a help to me. And uh, Beth and I both battled cancer during the last couple of years. And uh, so we went through trenches together, literally doing warfare together. And uh, to God's glory, we're both standing before you. So we give him praise for that. But Beth has been a faithful servant for the 11 and a half years to the women at TBC. And uh, we're grateful for her. Pray for us. We have a search team. We've been looking for uh, someone to step into her shoes, Lord's shoes to fill. And uh, next thir- week from this Thursday, we interview five ladies. And uh, prayerfully, that uh, person will come about as the Lord reveals him. So you have a faithful choice servant right here who has been faithful to the ladies of our body to our staff team, to be a colleague in ministry, and to you, we are grateful, and to God, we're grateful. So I'm going to pray for Beth and uh, for her family. Would you place your hands in this direction as I have my hand on her? Father, what a great joy to have been uh, to serve you together and to be colleagues in ministry and to see the work that you've done. Father, thank you for the women of our body, sisters, mothers, grandmothers, wives, Girlfriends, Lord, we're grateful for the work you're doing. Spirit of God, we ask you to multiply that work. We ask you to do a great work. I pray the foundation has been laid would be a foundation that's built upon, foundation of folks like Nancy Winburn and Bev and Lynn McClellan, Linda Poshwasil, Melody Euler, and Nell Beth. Father, we pray blessing over her. For she and Don, as they continue to minister, Father, give them fruitful ministry. We look forward to hearing years ahead for the work you've done in and through them. So we pray blessing over her, and we pray for the right person, Father, reveal to us who that person is to step in this role. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Love you. Now we go to the Word together. We've worshiped, and uh, what a delightful time to be in the Word, looking at Jesus coming. And here's where we're going to be for the next few weeks. Uh, This series we're calling uh, for Unto Him... This morning, I'm going to preach on waiting. We're going to look at some of the promises given to the nation of Israel as they waited. Next week, we're going to look at watching, specifically looking at some of the events in the first century and what they were watching for. Uh, Two weeks from today, we're going to look at welcoming. It's going to be the 20th, just prior to Christmas. On the 27th, we're going to do worshiping. So waiting, watching, welcoming, worshiping. Then we'll have a New Year's challenge. Then after that, we're going to study the Old Testament book of Daniel together. So if you want to read ahead, uh, start reading Daniel. And in that series, I'm going to tell you when Jesus is coming back the exact date. So you want to be here. 
If you're visiting TBC, that's not true. That's an inside joke. Uh, we don't know when that is. Jesus doesn't know when it is. I don't know when it is. The Bible just says we need to stay ready. So that's what we're going to talk about and preach about in the days ahead. So that's where we're headed for the next several months. Daniel will take us into the springtime uh, through Easter, probably through uh, actually till summertime. So looking ahead, that's where we'll be. If you were to go to Google and uh, click on images and you typed in the words waiting for, and then you filled in that blank, waiting for, uh, that's what I did this past week. So I was thinking about this message and thinking about Israel waiting for the promised Messiah, the promised one. I thought, what is it like to wait? And so I typed in, first of all, waiting for a live person to answer the phone. And this is the first thing that popped up right there. Can you relate to that? I mean, it's like, somebody answer the stinking phone. I'm tired of this, you know, hit, hit one, hit two, hit three, whatever it is. So the next thing I typed in was waiting for your spouse to get ready. And that's uh, what popped up when that happened. Some of you can relate to that this morning, actually. It may be the woman's picture should be up there. Then I typed in waiting for a doctor's appointment, and this is what popped up first. <laughs> Uh, sorry to those of you in the medical field. Then I typed in, waiting for a preacher to quit preaching, and this is what popped up. <laughs> so I guarantee you, I'm not gone long today after seeing that. I don't want to see any of you turn to skeletons out there. And then uh, my favorite one uh, was waiting for Santa to come, and uh, these are the ones that popped up, and everybody together goes, ah, there you go. They were cute. My secretaries were crying when they looked at the picture, and, and we're waiting. We're waiting. We're waiting. I like the story of one guy, it was Christmas time, the judge was in a merry mood, and he asked the prisoner, what are you charged with? And the uh, criminal said, doing my Christmas shopping early. That's not an offense, how early were you doing your shopping? Well, I couldn't wait. I started shopping three hours before the store opened. He should have waited. I, I read another guy who said, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. A fan. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. I, I understand the advent because I'm a Cowboys fan. You remember the past, you look to the future, and you wait, and you wait, and you wait, and you wait. Waiting. Some of you in God's waiting room right now, you're waiting. You're waiting for an answer. I, I don't know what that answer might be to, or some of you are waiting for various things in life. You may be waiting, you may be single, waiting for Mr. Right, Mrs. Right. You may be married, hoping to get things right. Uh, you're waiting. You may be waiting for the prodigal to come home. At the end of the service, I'm praying with folks this morning, and we've had several folks come and say, would you pray? My son, my daughter, my husband, my wife, they're waiting, would you pray? Waiting. Waiting for the promotion, waiting for the move, waiting for your ship to come in, waiting. The nation of Israel is waiting. I don't know about you, but I'm not a good waiter. The nation of Israel is waiting, not for seconds, not for minutes, not for hours, not for days, not for weeks, not for months, not for years, not for decades. Not for centuries, but for millennia. For thousands of years, they waited. They just waited. And that's a long time to wait. That's what that skeleton looks like. Waiting for thousands of years. Waiting. What were they waiting for? What were they watching for? What were they hoping for? We talk about waiting. What are we talking about? What were they doing? That's what I want to do this morning. We've looked at the prophecies of the scriptures in the past, but I want to look at these through an entirely different lens. What was it like to be waiting? What's it like to wait for that baby to be born when you go into labor? What's it like to wait for the result of the doctor's test? What's it like to wait? That's the nation of Israel. Well, the wait began in Genesis chapter 3. It was a long wait, and this is where it started. It was waiting for one born of a woman. 
The waiting began the Garden of Eden. It was a vague, mysterious, hard-to-comprehend promise given to all of mankind. You're familiar with the story. Adam and Eve were in the garden. They're living in face-to-face harmony with God. There's no sin in the world. Sin is not in the world. Death is not in the world. Adam and Eve were fine in a relationship with God. Then the deceptive serpent hissed into the ear of Eve. And he told her she could eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so she partook of the fruit that was there. She handed it to her husband who willingly partook as well. And when they did that, the hopes and dreams of all mankind were shattered. They just scattered a thousand directions. Like if you dropped a plate, if you dropped a glass on the, on the tile floor, and they scattered in every way. Adam and Eve were lonely, they were bewildered, and they were confused. It sounds like the lyrics of a country western song, doesn't it? Lonely, bewildered, and confused. And and that's where they were because sin entered the world. And for the first time in all of human history, there's a barrier between God and man. God's enemy, Satan, had achieved his ultimate goal, his greatest victory. Man and God were now separated. And you remember what happened. God comes calling for them in the Garden of Eden. And he calls and asks where they are. Now, let me ask you a million-dollar question. There are two people in the world. God is omniscient. God is omnipresent. God is everything that, that there is. And they're hiding from God. Who's going to win that game? I shared with you a few months ago that uh, in May, when we had so much rain here, we had our grandkids for the weekend, and, uh, you know, we're looking for things to do. And so I came up with a good idea. It was uh, dark, and I I told Bev, let's go to the church. We go in the auditorium. uh, We turn off the lights, and we can play hide-and-seek. This is a great place to play hide-and-seek right in here. And so we're playing hide-and-seek, and and, uh, as we're playing, I mean, it's pretty tough. You know, I I, I send the kids out, and Bev took Emerson, our four-year-old granddaughter, to hide with her. So three boys scout in the auditorium. Bev takes Emerson, and, uh, you know, I count. I I close my one good eye, and I start counting. One, two, three, skip a few. Ready or not, here I come. And the papado's on his way, and the little boys start, you know, running. They can't keep still, and but I can't find Bev, and I can't find Emerson. you know, one eye in the dark is kind of tough. And uh, so I'm thinking, how am I going to find them? Well, I, I do what any good grandpa would do. I deceive my granddaughter. <laughs> I call out, Emerson, it's Papado, where are you? And uh, Bev came up with a bright idea. You can see over here, there's this pedestal, by the way, we ordered Christmas trees through FedEx that didn't come in yet. They'll be here next week and they'll go up in these corners. But she had lifted the skirt up on there and she and Emerson were hiding down there. Emerson, where are you? And of course, what, is she, what does a four-year-old granddaughter do? She begins to giggle right away. Then, Papa, no, I'm over here. <laughs> so I went and found them in the dark. It was pretty easy at that point in time. That's nothing compared to God looking for two people the only people on the planet that he's created, that he sees all, knows all, and does all. They're hiding. See, sin causes us to do that, to try and hide from God. Never works. Never works. So Adam and Eve are in the garden. So God says, uh, what's happened? They said, we're naked and ashamed. How did you know you were naked? And what is Adam's response? Her. I mean, the problem is her. You gave her to me. And the problem is woman. And man has been blaming woman ever since for our sin, right? I mean, we can say, hey, it's Adam's fault, honey. And so God looks at Eve and says, "Uh, so Eve, what happened? And she does the same thing. She's already learned from her husband what to do. And she says, it's the snake. And so God issues some curses against mankind, against man and woman. He issues a curse against the earth. And he issues a curse against the serpent. And against the serpent, he says this. And here's the first thing we're going to see. And I will put enmity. I will put enmity. That's hatred between you and the woman. Talking to the serpent. 
And between your seed and her seed, by the way, you're going to see words capitalized in, in this message today. I'm, we have those, I capitalize those words. I don't appear that way in the Bible. So between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. We focus typically on the second half of that verse. He shall bruise you on the head. Satan, you'll be bruised on the head. That's a death blow. It's a death blow. And you shall bruise him on the heel. He'll experience a blow, but it won't lead to death. But Satan, you will. Typically, we focus on that. Evangelical scholars call this the proto-ugelion. Proto means first. Ugelion means evangelist, good news. This is the first good news in the scriptures. Adam and Eve have fallen. God says, I've got good news for you. And the good news is this, that there's going to come a deliverer. The deliverer will destroy the serpent who caused sin. But that's not what I want to focus on this morning. What I want to focus on is the word seed. For you see, the waiting began here. God's promise of deliverance, and he says, here's what that deliverance is going to look like. He's not going to be a character out of Star Trek that's coming out. He's not going to be an angel. Uh, this character that's coming is not going to be a superhero. This character that's coming is not going to be some extraterrestrial being. But this deliverer that's coming will be the seed of woman. Be a person. Now, years later, centuries later, millennial lady, when Jesus came, one of the groups that stood against him were the Gnostics who said, obviously God could never become man because everything that's material is wrong, and so he could not possibly be a man. But all the way to Genesis chapter 3, don't miss it. Don't miss the obvious. The promise of God, be watching for the seed of woman. Be watching for one who would be born of woman. And so this is where the waiting began. God says, a deliverer is going to come, and it's going to be one born of woman. Then God went silent. He went silent regarding this. Months pass, years pass, decades pass, centuries pass, and he breaks the silence. Speaks to a man named Abraham. When he speaks to Abraham, he gives him a promise. He says, I, I will make, and whoever this deliverer is going to be will be a descendant of Abraham. He says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will make you a great nation. So now, all of a sudden, mankind didn't have to look at anybody who would be born of a woman, anyone from the line of Adam and Eve, but now they could look within a specific nation within the nation of Israel. Deuteronomy 7, God says God has chosen this nation not based on anything they had done, not that they were mighty, not that they were great, but because of his great mercy, his great grace, his great love. And so what we find is now as the nation and the world waits, they can wait and look within a specific nation. So God spoke to Abraham, but the waiting continued. And it went on and on and on. It went on for decades. It went on for centuries. And the silence is not broken. Then God breaks the silence once again. He speaks along the way from Abraham. He makes the same promise to his son Isaac, who makes the same promise to his son Jacob, and the same promises given to his sons about the nation of Israel. And then specifically, there's a promise given to Judah. There are 12 tribes in the nation of Israel. One of the tribes is Judah. And this is a promise given specifically to Judah. And here's what it says. It says, the scepter, that is, that which uh, symbolizes rulership, the scepter will not depart from where? What's it say? From Judah. And the ruler's staff from between his feet until he 
to, until he to whom it belongs shall come and the obedience of the nation shall come. So he's saying, here's what I want you to know, that the Messiah, the Deliverer, will come. And when that Deliverer does come, he's going to come within the nation of Israel, specifically to some uh, woman, the nation of Israel, and now specifically to one tribe within the nation, to Judah. And so now the look can become quite, quite uh, specific, magnified, if you will. You have to look within every tribe of Israel. You have to look within all of mankind at first. So he's going to be born to a woman. And now you've got to look within the nation of Israel. And now you look at within a specific tribe within the nation of Israel. By the way, if you fast forward thousands of years to the book of Revelation, we've been studying the book of Revelation together. The book of Revelation, it talks about end times. And there's a scene in Revelation chapter 5. In the scene in Revelation chapter 5, it says this, Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep, see the lion of the tribe of Judah. Do you see what God has done? God is fulfilling his promise thousands of years later. Thousands of years later, this promise is being fulfilled. All of time points to only one person who's the fulfillment of all of this. It's the Lion of Judah. Well, the waiting goes on. Hundreds of years pass. Thousands of years pass. There's silence. Mankind waits, Israel waits waiting for another piece of the puzzle, waiting for the funnel to narrow, waiting for something to happen. But it's silence for years, for decades, for centuries. And then the silence is broken. In Numbers chapter 24, there's a statement that's given. It says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. A star, the purpose of a star is to give light. If you went out this morning, it was a beautiful morning. If you get up real early, I was up like about 5.30. Beautiful morning, stars shining everywhere. That star was giving light. The light will come out of Jacob, a scepter that which rules will come out of Israel. Whoever this deliverer will be will bring light. Bring light. So we fast forward once again. We have the advantage of the New Testament. We have the advantage of looking back not only to the Old Testament promises, but the New Testament fulfillments. And so Jesus in John chapter 8 says, I am what? What's it say? You can read it with me. I am the light of the world. And our hearts should start beating faster. There should be an excitement in our step. We should say, it's amazing what our God can do. Because now all of a sudden he's bringing to fruition everything he's promised and the nation continues to wait, the nation continues to look. It's a struggle. It's a struggle because time passes on. And the struggle continues because the nation continues to sacrifice. Generations come, generations go. They're looking for hope. There's despair within the nation. There's struggles within the nation. The nation is looking. They cannot see. They cannot hear. Even with their wildest imagination, they can't believe what's about to happen. From the time of the previous promise to this promise, 600 years. 600 years. Let's do a little math. Let's do a little math. From the time that we read of the promise given to Judah to the promise given of light, and then we're going to see a promise given to Moses next, waiting for a prophet like Moses, it says in Deuteronomy 18, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, Moses says. Make no mistake, when Jesus comes, it says about Jesus of Nazareth, he was a prophet. The timeline is 600 years. Six centuries of waiting and watching and hoping and of silence. Now do a little math with me. 2015 minus 600 equals what? Get to calculate it real quick. Google knows it. Siri knows. You can ask him real quick. 
Okay? If you do the math there, if my numbers are right, I don't do math real well. That's why I preach. The year is 1415. 1415. Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492. Columbus hadn't even discovered America yet. 600 years of silence. That's after millennial silence. They watch, they wait, and they hope. They hope for light. They hope for profit. They look within the nation. They look within the tribe of Judah, but they see nothing. They look, they hope, they imagine, but it's not there. And here's the struggle. They continue to sacrifice. Generations come, generations go. There's a cycle repeated throughout the New Testament. You ready for this? Watch this. Here's the cycle. They walk with God. The nation of Israel walks with God. They turn away from God. They're disciplined by God. They repent before God. Then the nation walks with God. They sin against God. God disciplines the people. They repent. They walk with God. They walk away from God. They're disciplined by God. They repent before God. And then they walk again. I just taught the book of Judges at camp last week when we were away. That cycle is repeated six times in the book of Judges alone. That's a cycle repeated numerous times throughout the Old Testament. Read the prophets. It's a cycle, frankly, repeated in our lives many times. Not always, but for some of us. We walk with God. We fall away from God. God brings us back to himself. We're restored to a walk with God. It's a pattern of many spiritual lives. That's where the nation is. They're waiting. They're hoping. They're looking. And they think, when is he ever going to come? When is this prophet going to come? When is this light going to shine? When is this person from the tribe of Judah and the nation of Israel? When is all this going to happen? Let me make a quick application and move on. Never give up on God. When it seems like to you that the heavens are silent and it seems like to you that God is not listening and God is not responding, that it seems like God is absent and God is uncaring, in the midst of the trials, in the midst of the anxiety, whatever it is, God is always at work. Always. He's a sovereign God, I tell you. And he's a good God. He's a gracious God. He's a merciful God. And in the midst of all this, God is at work. Sometimes it's hard to wait. Sometimes it's hard to be in the waiting room. Sometimes it's difficult to be in the waiting room. Your teenager goes out, they've got the car, curfew's 11. Clock comes to 11, they're not home. Five after 11, you're texting them, you don't get an answer. 10 after 11, you call them, and there's no response. Your thoughts are, either they've been killed, or they're going to come home and I'm going to kill them. (laughs) You ever been there? I mean, you think, why did I buy that stinking phone for you? The way you keep the phone on, you keep it handy because I put that phone in your hand, I pay for it every month, and I want you to have that phone. Are you guys listening? Mom and dad, your moms and dads are back. You know, you're going home for the holidays and uh, whatever else. Our college kids over here, answer mom and dad, please. I mean, they, they go crazy at that point in time. And you're thinking, it's only five minutes. What's five minutes? It's only 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And they're going crazy the whole time because they're waiting. And sometimes it's hard to wait. The disease I have, the only protocol for it is you go get scanned and see if there's metastasis to your liver. I go in Monday, I get a scan. 8.30 in the morning, I'm scanned. I appreciate your prayers. I don't see the doctor until 4.30 on Wednesday afternoon. It's a long time. 
But how are you going to wait? Do you wait wringing your hands? you wait in frustration? you wait, or do you wait trusting in independence? You trust a good God who says, I can orchestrate all of human history to bring about what needs to happen. And so you wait with hope. You wait with trust. And even if things don't turn out the way you want, you say, even though he slay me, I will trust in him. That's what we do. Because he's a good God. And so we, we go through this and we look at Israel and the waiting and the waiting and the waiting and we think, how can they do it? And we say, they can't in their own power, but they can through him. Delay never thwarts God's purposes, but it polishes God's instruments. That's what waiting does for you. And so there's all this anticipation, all that excitement. It's kind of like Christmas morning when you have little kids they're ready for the big reveal. Don't you love it when kids come down and they see all that stuff for the first time and, and there's an excitement and, and, and they, they scream out. Annette, can you go to that picture for me? Is Annette back there? There's a picture of kids coming down and seeing it for the very first time and, and they're waiting for the big reveal. And that's what the nation of Israel is for. They're waiting for the big reveal. These kids coming down the steps, seeing everything for the first time. And, and that's what the nation of Israel is. They're looking, they're longing, they're desiring, and, and they're waiting for this reveal to take place. Dwap. You got it? Pictures of kids coming down the stairs. Annette, you back there? Can you click on that? If you can't click on it, don't worry. It'll come to it. It's out of order. So they're waiting. We'll come to it in a second. Well, they're waiting. I've got the button. I'll take care of it. They're waiting. The next thing we see is God finally speaks after all those decades. He speaks to David. We looked at this two weeks ago, and he makes a promise. It's called the Davidic Covenant, 2 Samuel chapter 7, one of the greatest promises in the Scripture. He says to David, I want you to know, David, when your days are over, you're not going to build the temples. What he's saying, David, you're a man of war, and so you can't build a temple. You can't build it here on earth, so here's what's going to happen. I will raise up for your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh, your own blood. I will establish a kingdom. He's the one who built a house. And for my name, I'll establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So the promise to David is, I will give you a house, a kingdom, a throne forever. So the angel Gabriel appears to Mary, and I'm sure it's quite coincidental that the angel speaks his words to Mary. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high God, and the Lord God will give him what? A throne from where? Father David, the promise given to David in 2 Samuel, and he will give him the house of Jacob. Jacob was uh, Judah's dad from the, from the tribe of Judah. Uh, forever his kingdom will have no end. A house, a kingdom, a throne forever. Forever. Here are the kids waiting. They keep waiting. Everybody goes, ah, once again. They're waiting with excitement, anticipation, but the big reveal doesn't come out because there's more. There's more. And he says, uh, as you wait, you can almost hear this as the cry of Israel. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Ransom, captive Israel. We mourn in lonely exile here till the Son of God appears. They're taken off in the captivity to Babylon, to Syria. They're in exile. They've been waiting for thousands of years and Messiah doesn't come. They're taken away. Another verse of that Christmas carol, O come thou day spring, come and cheer our spirits by your advent here. Disperse the gloomy, gloomy clouds of night, they're in exile. The prophets are telling them, you're turning away from God and to God. It's a gloomy time and death's dark shadows put to flight. Rejoice, rejoice. When do you rejoice? 
You rejoice when Emmanuel comes. Emmanuel means God with us. There's more speaking. There's more looking. You look for one who would be born of a woman from within the nation of Israel, within the tribe of Judah, who would be a star, a light, who would be a prophet, who would be of the house of David. So now you can look for a specific family within a specific tribe, within a specific uh, nation in all of humanity. And he says, there's going to be something quite unique about this child. Be a virgin. Isaiah prophesies and says, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him God with us, Emmanuel. You know, why does she have to be a virgin? Why? Well, let me let you know a secret. A sinful man and a sinful woman produce sinful kids. That's simple. I've used this illustration a hundred times. I mean, sinful man, sinful woman, produce sinful kids. How many of you took your two-year-old son and said, son, I need to teach you how to fight with your older sister? You'd never do that. We live at peace and harmony in this family. There's never chaos. You never fight. You never, get, uh, you never squabble with one another. So, son, I need to teach you how to be a fighter. Anybody ever do that with their kids? How many of your parents took you aside and said, let me teach you how to sin? Came quite natural, didn't it? To all of us. I mean, how many of you take your four-year-old daughter and say, I want to teach you the word mine? I mean, it doesn't happen. Because sinful mom, sinful dad produced sinful kids. So for sinless Savior to be born, it had to be through a sinless God, through a woman who would bear that God. And so Jesus came as fully God, fully man, through the womb of a virgin. It's the only way it could happen. The only way God could come to us in the flesh. And so if you remember when Gabriel appears to Mary, he says, you shall conceive and you shall have a son and you shall name him Jesus. And what does Mary say after that? You remember the very first words, ladies? Says, You're crazy. No, you remember her first words? How can it be? How can it be? Since I am a virgin never had a relationship with a man and I'm going to have a child? How can this be? It had to be. Because sinful men and sinful women produce sinful kids. So for God to come, this had to take place. So now we move from looking throughout all mankind for the promise of Genesis 3 to the nation of Israel to the tribe of Judah to the household of David for a virgin. I would say not many people fit that description. Would you agree? In all of human history, how many people fit that description? Uno. One. Oh, and by the way, let me tell you where to look. Micah says, you look in a little town called Bethlehem. As for you, O Bethlehem, Epaphra, though you're small among the clans of where? Judah the tribe. Here's what I want you to know. Out of you will come for me one who will be the ruler over Israel. His origins are from the days old, from ancient times, the literally everlasting times. This one that's going to be born is one who always has been. Only one person in all of human history fits that description. His name is Jesus. And so we come to this time of year and John puts it this way. 
this is what Christmas really is. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Literally, the Greek language that the New Testament's written in says he tabernacled among us. The tabernacle of heaven came to earth. And I go, wow, in my office this week, studying this and looking at this, I'm thinking, what a God. What a God. And we beheld his glory. Glory is the only begotten, full of grace and full of truth. So what do you do with this? Let me give you two applications. Number one, you rejoice. You rejoice. Because we have a God who has orchestrated all of human history to bring about to bring about his son on this planet at the proper time so we can have life and we rejoice. Galatians 4 4 says, In the fullness of time, God sent his son. When time was full, when time was ripe, when time was the labor pains were there, time was pregnant. God says, now it's time. Now it's time. I'm sending you now. The embrace of the Father, the embrace of the Son is separated. And God, in the form of Jesus, in eternity past, becomes a baby in a manger in Bethlehem. And that, my friends, is what Christmas is about. Honestly, this is my favorite time of the year. I love Christmas. I love the mystery of the incarnation. I love all the celebrations that come along with it. I I love seeing folks turn their attention just for a brief time to the Savior. If there's anything we should do, we should rejoice that we have a God who has orchestrated all of human history to bring about what he said he would. And by the way, he promised, and all these promises he was coming the first time, you know what else he says? I'm coming back. I'm coming back. And if he came the first time to fulfill his promises, he'd come a second time to fulfill his promises. So for 2,000 years, you know what we've done? We've waited, we've waited, and we've waited, and we wait. We've waited for weeks, and for months, and for years, and for decades, and for centuries, and for two millennium. And I don't know when he's coming back, but he's going to keep his promise. He will be back. And in that we rejoice. Secondly, we repent. We recognize that the purpose of the Christmas story is just the beginning of all that God wants for us. You see, you can't look at Bethlehem without fast-forwarding to Jerusalem. You can't look at the cradle without looking to the cross. Because this baby came with a purpose. Purpose was to die for me. Purpose was to die for you. And when somebody comes and gives his life for you, you have to make a decision. And that decision is, will you trust him or will you not? Will you invite him to be your savior for the forgiveness of your sins or will you not? So to every person in this room today, hundreds of us, you're going to walk out making a decision. Will you accept Jesus Christ as your savior, this one who all of history has orchestrated to bring about his birth so he could give us life or will you not? The king has come. He's come. The wait's over. So we worship him. Ladies, would you join me up here? You know, the nation of Israel was waiting. They were watching. They were longing. And it was all really about the baby that was coming. 
A number of years ago in Indianapolis, Indiana, the mall, one of the malls there had a festival of trees. And that festival of trees, they had Christmas trees lining the hallways of the mall. And uh, you could go there and see the different trees, different organizations, individuals that put them together. The trees were to be judged on creativity and all sorts of awards would be given. There were grandparents who took their four grandkids with them to the mall. And uh, as they're looking at trees, they recognized they were in trouble. They looked around for their four-year-old granddaughter and she was missing. She was not there. They panicked. They began to scream her name. They began to run around. They began to look for her, but they didn't see her. And finally, in a frenzy, they saw her peering through a glass through one of the plate windows looking into a department store. And they scooped her up, and there were a lot of tears. And after she had no idea what was going on, after a while, the grandmother said, what were you looking at? Didn't you know we were looking for you? What were you looking at? She said, Grandma was looking at the baby. I was looking at the baby. You see, in the hustle and bustle of everything we do at Christmas time, don't forget the baby. There are a lot of distractions out there. All of this is about the baby, the one who came and gave his life for you. You know, the nation of Israel, they long for him to come. You read the prophets, they look for him to come. You read the, the, the scriptures, they, there's a plea for him to come. There's a great Christmas carol that we sing this time of year, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Long expected. Not seconds, not minutes, not hours, not days, not weeks, not months, not years, not decades, not centuries, but millennia. They cried out, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. I'm going to walk to the back. Bev is going to walk back there with me. We haven't prayed for folks in a few Sundays. If you get anything you want to be prayed for, join us back there. Prayed for a lot of people this morning, people waiting for a lot of things. Just waiting. The ladies are going to sing about what long expected Jesus. There's a video to go with it. Think about what it was like to wait. What it's like to wait. If you want to pray, join us.